Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. How many New Zealand technology companies can you think of that have developed their own software, design and locally manufacture their own hardware and sell direct into a fast-growing market under their own brand? Well, here's one. Christchurch-based Ebnex, the maker of smart chargers for electric vehicles. It's the smart part of the deal that makes Ebnex chargers interesting. They do much more than quickly refuel your car. They integrate with your electricity lines company and let it dynamically manage the load your charger imposes on its network. With a typical charger drawing two to three times the load of most households and New Zealand's EV fleet forecast to grow to 1.5 million by 2035, you can see why that matters. We asked Evnex CEO Ed Harvey to explain the funky bits about EV charging and how his company is fixing them. Ed, welcome to this climate business. Can we start with an obvious question? How is EV charging different from refueling a petrol vehicle? Hi, Ross, and uh, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. So, look, it is it is different, but also in, in quite a lot of good ways. So, um, for a start, it is quite simple. Uh, some people uh, going to the fuel station is one of the last jobs on their list or, or that <laughs> they like to do. And, um, and plugging in an EV is, is really very simple. It takes a couple of seconds when you pull up at your, at your home at the end of the day mm. um, or at work or something like that. So very, very simple. Um, and it means you don't you know, typically need to go out of your way to go to a fuel station um, mm. It's much, much cheaper. Mm. So, uh, you know, especially with the fuel prices going the way that they have been recently, um, there's the equivalent is paying about 30 cents a litre for petrol. So, um, you know, there's mm. some real, real cost savings to be made there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a really nice and, and clean. Again, you don't need to go to a fuel station and, you know, smell fuel and everything like that. Um, it's right. just, just nice to be able to do it um, mm. in the safety of your own home. Um, it isn't as fast, so uh, and it's one of the main concerns that people have about you know EV charging, and that it's um, in that sense it's not as fast to um, to you know completely charge up an EV as it is to just fill up your tank with fuel. But it mm. is getting much faster. So modern electric cars, um, when they're charging at a, at a rapid charger on the highway, can get as much as um, or even more than 250k range in 15 minutes. So if you're if you're going on a long trip, it's really um, not that inconvenient to stop for a coffee and wait for 10 or 15 minutes um, in a four or five hour trip. Um, so it's, uh, and you, know, you probably should be doing that anyway to have a bit of a rest. So, um, you know, that, that issue is, is fast becoming um, less of an issue. Right. There's differences, that, though, um, further back in the supply chain. So with, with, with fossil fuel vehicles, um, they're relying on um, a supply chain that has been in place more or less for well, the best part of 100 years. In the case of electric vehicles, we're relying on an electricity network that really wasn't designed for electric car charging. Yeah, that's exactly right, Ross. So that is uh, a real concern for the electricity networks uh, here in New Zealand and around the world. Mm. Um, you, you know, it, it, it really hasn't been designed for this level of use. And hot water heating uh, mm. uh, is water heating is, is the typically the biggest user of electricity in the home, and electric vehicles are even greater than that. So as, you, as you, I think you mentioned before, um, a modern uh, electric vehicle. Uh, charger uses about the same amount of power of, of three homes on average. So, you know, for electricity networks, this is a huge concern when they're thinking that uh, if every one of these electric vehicles is sold, it's the equivalent of them having to uh, design their network for another three houses. 
Um, so they are quite worried about, uh, you know, the, the effect that this is going to have on their networks. Hmm. Which is where it's, I suppose um, where you and your business come in, because uh, part of your solution is it's not just the charger, but you, you're helping the, um, the lines companies manage the load on those networks. That's exactly right, Ross. Yeah, so that is the that is a major part of what we're doing. The second part is that the time that electric vehicles are charged is really quite um, really quite important, but from a, uh, an energy consumption point of view as well, and mm. and from the uh, perspective of uh, the energy mix of the grid. So in New Zealand, we have quite a clean electricity grid. Typically, operates at about that sort of eighty to eighty five percent renewable um, yeah. uh, mark. Yeah, but that does change at certain times of the day. So on a really cold winter's night or cold winter's morning, the uh, generators in New Zealand will typically be um, operating uh, coal, uh, obviously coal, you know, at Huntley and, and what have you, and also um, gas generators to meet the uh, increased demand on electricity. So those are really quite important times in, in the sense that you ideally you don't want to be charging your car um, during those times because um, electricity is typically more expensive and it's mm. much less uh, much less green. So one of our you know, basically our mission as a company is is to make sure that our electric vehicles in the future are charged from uh, clean energy uh, and, and typically will be lower cost energy as well because we think that's um, hugely important. Uh, from an environmental perspective to make sure that electric vehicles are actually uh, making a meaningful impact to uh, climate change. So is that something that you can do today? Yeah, it is. It is. So um, we, uh, our, our customers are able to set the timer on their um, charger so that it uh, typically it doesn't start charging as soon as they get home because, you know, that's, that's the uh, usually when people get home at about five or six o'clock at night, they might plug in their car and that is already a time of peak network demand because typically around that time people are heating their homes and cooking and things like that. So we very easily allow people to uh, set a timer on the app and to uh, set their charger to automatically start charging later on the evening. Um, that's sort of stage one. And actually that can be done using the car timer as well. Many cars have a timer that allow, allows you to set it automatically. The next step for us is actually to be much more dynamic in our thinking um, and setting a, a, the cars to start charging um, later on is, uh, is, has been shown to not be effective at scale. So some of the large electricity companies in the United States, um, they trialled that and had some quite aggressive pricing um, uh, electricity tariffs that, that got quite a lot cheaper at that time. And they found that it actually creates a local um, peak at that time. So even if it's 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, um, that it actually creates uh, another problem for the network and having to manage that, that increased load just around that time. So we really are going to need uh, at scale to be able to uh, manage this in a much more uh, dynamic um, manner. And also um, we need systems that, uh, that allow us to uh, adjust charging rates when, when the uh, cleanliness of the grid, the, the energy mix changes as well because that's really important from an environmental impact. And many people are going to want to know that um, if there is a you know, sudden surge in demand uh, due to cold weather or something like that uh, and the, um, the gas generation or something like that increases that their car uh, can't automatically um, uh, slow down its charging speed for, or stop charging during that time. Hmm. So the, the renewable component that we've just been discussing, is that very important to your customers? Are they, are they residential and business customers? Are they coming to you and saying, yes, we want electric vehicle charging, but it's really important to us that we use just renewable energy? 
For some customers, I would, I would say that a lot of electric cars are being sold at the moment or certainly in the past. You know, it's been people that have been um, interested in the technology because they are looking to reduce their environmental f- uh, footprint. As electric cars do reach uh, price parity with combustion engine vehicles, I think we'll see less of that. I think we'll see people that it's not their first um, it's not the first thing they're worried about. Often they, they might just be wanting to save money. So, you know, I think you've raised a really good point and, and we need to make this really, really simple for people. And that's that's a major driver for Evnex's simplicity because we know that people um, have very busy lives and they, they don't have time to, you know, run around the house turning things on and off depending on how clean the grid is. So we want to manage this for them um, so that we know that they, you know, typically all they care about is that their car is full or it's it's adequately charged the next morning for what they want to do that next day. Mm. Um, you know, we've worked in the background for them to help make sure that that charge was as clean as possible uh, and also as low cost as possible, then that's going to be really beneficial for them and, and to the wider electricity system as a whole. Right. So when you step back and look at Evnex, uh, the proposition feels ambitious. You've developed your uh, own software um, and you, uh, you manufacture the hardware uh, in, in New Zealand and you're selling direct under your own brand. Is it, was, that, was that conscious decision right from the beginning or was that just a sort of like an accident of history? Not not right from the beginning, Ross, no. So originally we did um, focus much more on selling our product through various channels and were uh, you know, really, really pushing to get into the overseas market. About a year ago, we, we sort of, um, and COVID was a factor in this, we sort of turned around and said, well, you know, there's actually a really significant opportunity back here in New Zealand and Australia. Um, and it actually makes sense as well if we're manufacturing hardware down in the southern hemisphere, then it makes sense that we would, you know, um, ship it into the southern hemisphere as well. From even an environmental impact and, and shipping impact point of view, it doesn't really make sense to ship raw components from China and Europe uh, down to New Zealand and then ship them all the way back across the world. Um, and and also, you know, international business is getting uh, quite a lot more challenging at the time due to COVID. So we said, well, you know, we think there is a huge opportunity back here in New Zealand and Australia, although they are comparatively small markets in an international sense. There are still going to be a lot of electric cars on our road, and we still have some some you know um, very you know major decarbonisation goals in New Zealand and Australia, and this sort of technology is is going to be important. So around about that time, we felt that selling a um, a box, as in just the EV charger was not going to be enough to achieve our mission of making sure that electric cars are charged from clean and cheap energy. We needed to basically vertically integrate and be fully involved in the entire uh, value chain to make sure that uh, we are providing really, really um, easy to use software solutions as well for our customers. We're explaining to our customers why it's important that their charger is smart and can control its output at different times of the day, making sure that we have very good control over our installation networks and that the chargers are uh, you know, installed in a, in a way that's you know, a very high quality manner uh, and that people are taught how to use the chargers after they've been installed. And also that if there is issues, then we can respond very, very quickly as a fully vertically integrated company. So um, if a customer calls us and says, hey, my charger isn't working, then, you know, this, that's on us to solve. Um, we don't go to them, hey, um, we're going to have to talk to the manufacturer in Europe. Um, we don't know, you know, what the issue is. It's, you know, we can fix that either right then and there, or if not, we'll be sending out a replacement or something like that within the next couple of days um, via our own installation network. So we think that... Um, that uh, you know that, that end-to-end service is really important to achieve uh, our end goal here. Mm. 
suppose the other thing that's interesting about what you do is that you've you've got a c- couple of points of revenue uh, in the value chain because you're obviously selling um, the charges themselves. But uh, further back, you're also uh, uh, getting revenues from the uh, distribution companies. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so that's very early stage, Ross, yeah, and that is the longer-term vision for the company. Mm-hmm. Um, the, those, those types of revenues they're talking about, they, they're called, um, the, the industry calls it flexibility. So it's talking about the ability of um, either a generator to ramp up demand, uh, mm-hmm. ramp, ramp up generation, or for an appliance to reduce its consumption during a certain um, time or actually increase its consumption um, depending on, on what the network is, is doing. So the industry is still quite uh, nascent in the sense, and that's even you know from an international perspective. Um, the historic attitude has, has generally been to just build out more infrastructure um, mm. or build more generation or, or you know, reinforce the networks. But now we're getting these very smart internet-connected appliances and technologies that can, and you know, batteries, electric vehicles, hot water control, that can vary their generation or demand um, at certain times of the day. So um, we think there is a significant um, you know, financial opportunity here to be able to provide these services to the electricity networks. Um, we know that some of the electricity networks are taking this, or well, most of them are taking this very seriously. Um, you know, one that I was talking to just a couple of days ago has forecast that they'll need to spend uh, over $200 million reinforcing their network if um, charging is not managed smartly on their network. So these are very big numbers. We also know that mm-hmm. the uh, effect... Um, the uh, you know effect to the, um, the, the the wider economy is going to be quite significant if we don't charge these vehicles smartly, and the mm. issue is here is that that is also that, that um, financial burden will be borne by people that don't own electric vehicles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes. There's been a study recently in New Zealand by Concept Consulting that shows that uh, or indicates that there's going to be two hundred twenty dollars per year extra electricity cost by twenty fifty for everybody. Uh, if charging is not managed smartly. So even um, lower socioeconomic groups who uh, you may not have purchased an electric vehicle um, will basically be um, you know, bearing the, the brunt of these extra costs if we don't manage charging smartly. So it's very, very important as an industry uh, that we do get this right and that we do start developing these technologies at an early stage. Right. So if I understand you correctly, what you're offering the distributors is the ability to... Um dial down the charging rate uh, to exactly. basically yes, so they, avoid overloading the networks. Yes, so they and we do have some public um, trials of scale already. So uh, with Vector in Auckland, we have uh, about 250 charges across um, Vector's network, residential charges where Vector has a direct connection into our system and can slow down or stop those charges when they need to. Um, so we expect to replicate that sort of behaviour at a larger scale. And one important um, point that I would make is that the customer will always have the ability to opt out of this if they need to. You know, we're fully aware that the, um, the, the sort of older methods of control where networks used to, you know, for example, control uh, electric uh, water heating through ripple control is not going to be um, it's not going to be you know, workable for electric vehicles because there will be some times when people, you know, they might come back home from a day of work and they've got 10% of charge left, 10% charge left, and they need to go um, back to the airport or something like that. They are always going to be able to opt out of this control and just say, no, I want to charge at full speed now. But the, the reality is that most people have quite a long window of which they can charge over that period that they're at home. And, and most of the time they won't, won't be needing to opt out of the, the control that we're doing in the background. Right. 
So at the, um, at the moment, you're you're um, selling in New Zealand, so you're in in the revenue stage of your um, development already, and you're eyeing up Australia. But how do you compete against the the, the larger overseas competitors? Look, I think it's really about um, having local relationships here. You know, there are certainly, uh, we have some competitors in, in New Zealand who are bringing in product from, from China and Europe. Um, and, and you know, they, they certainly China and Europe can be very uh, cost competitive in terms of manufacturing. Um, but we do expect that the industry here in New Zealand is going to move towards a model where um, smart electric vehicle charging is either quite heavily uh, incentivized from a financial perspective or mandated. Um, and we are starting to see that overseas. So in the UK, is around the middle of this year, it would actually be illegal to install a charger that isn't smart because of the effect that uh, effectively a dumb charger can have, the impact that a dumb charger can have on the electricity networks. And whether it's a, some form of financial incentive or a mandate, we expect that that will be happening um, here in New, New Zealand eventually. So for us, it isn't just about you know um, a race to the bottom in, in price and just trying to sell a box. It's about building a, um, a solution and a network of industry partners to, to really make this happen. So, you know, actually we feel that as a New Zealand-based company, we are very well positioned to uh, be, be highly competitive uh, as the market starts moving into, into more of a phase where smart charging is, uh, becomes the norm. Right. Um, so last question then, Ed. Um, uh, we did mention earlier a, a forecast for um, 1.5 million electric vehicles on New Zealand roads by 2035. Um, with... Uh, you're, you're listening to the, the marketplace. What is it telling you? Do you th- is, is that a reasonable target? Yeah, like I think I think it is. Um, there are some, you know, there are some supply chain issues at the moment. Um, so, you know, some of the wait times on electric vehicles is, is really pushing out. I think Tesla is about 12 months at the moment. Um, and, you know, certainly the situation in, in Europe at the moment is, is not helping. Um, and, and, you know, COVID is, you know, we still have Shanghai in lockdown at the moment. So that we're still, um, the global supply chains are still, you know, reeling in the wake of COVID. So that is, that is certainly going to affect the uptake of electric vehicles. Uh, it isn't through lack of demand. Um, you know, we've been talking to most of the major um, auto companies here in New Zealand over the last few weeks, and and you know they are seeing unprecedented levels of interest in electric cars, and you know the high fuel prices have, have really just continued to to uh, increase people's uh, interest. Um, but you know, largely, I think we will see we will see new technologies. Uh, we will see better battery chemistries that are less reliant on 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 elements of concern like cobalt, for example, where you know there is. Um, you know, supply issues with some of those materials and ethical issues as well but we are very quickly seeing um, the industry recognise that battery technology is, is hugely important to our decarbonisation goals as, as a globe um, and so I think um, that while we're seeing some, some short term stress on supply chains, um, there are some very interesting technologies that are on their way that will um, improve that over the coming years so to answer your question, um, yes I think those numbers are quite reasonable Ed Harvey, thank you for joining us on This Climate Business. That's been uh, fantastic. Thanks, Ross. Much appreciated. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. 